Thank you for joining me. This is April with Eyes for the Road. Today, we're continuing our fall foliage travels with a trip to Bennington, Vermont. Bennington is in the southwest corner of Vermont, bordering Massachusetts, and offers some wonderful opportunities for sightseeing, historic places to visit, and wonderful restaurants. So today, we'll be getting an update from Jeff Folger on the fall colors, We'll be speaking with John and Lisa, who own and run Safford Mills Inn and Cafe, a wonderful place with beautiful cocktails available in the evening and eats right within walking distance of wonderful downtown Bennington, Vermont. We'll also be talking to Jamie, curator at the Bennington Museum, and get some insights into uh, recent uh, photography exhibits and upcoming photography exhibits. We'll also be chatting with Christopher from the Park McCullough House, which is a wonderful historic home and has extensive grounds that are open every day, 365 days a year from sunrise to sunset to photograph their beautiful maple trees, the home and the surrounding grounds. So come along, let's get started. Right now, it's, I, I would say that um, unless I get further indications of any um, tar spot or any other leaf issues, I don't see any evidence, no real evidence of it yet. We're bound to have a little bit, but um, there's, you know, there's a few outbreaks here and there of uh, gypsy moth, but not like it was last year. Oh, good. Um, That's good to hear. So uh, it, it's, it doesn't seem to be as... Uh, progressing like it was last year. We don't have the drought like we did late last year. Several places that were in extreme drought last year, both in New Hampshire or Vermont or Massachusetts, have gone down into acceptable levels again. So we've had we've made up a lot of deficit, and um, that means that the leaves are going to be fairly happy as it sits right now. We're going to have happy leaves. Happy leaves mean that they stay on the tree longer, even in higher winds and rain. And um, But they're also sometimes a little slower to start, and they last longer, so they're slower to end. So right now I'm leaning towards what I call a slow burn. Um, it won't be, you know, igniting real fast. Right. But they're just going to start and They'll stay there, and they're not. You know, they're going to give us more time in the more northern areas, barring you know major storms and things like that. Right. But, um, we should see a long running um, fall foliage season this fall. Um, once it does get going, it may be a few days late because temperatures aren't as cold as we want. But um, it should start about the normal times. You know, should be safe to be traveling uh, one October, maybe even the end of September. I'll head out probably uh, around eighteenth, mm, twentieth of September, and gauge what the color is doing up in New Hampshire and stuff. Right. And um, you know, okay, let me know how things are progressing. And um, I think we're going to see once it does get going, it's just going to be there for quite a while, a lot longer than normal. Which is nice. Right I mean, that's now, they're really... Gonna, they're, they're happy. Yeah, that's good. It's sounding like it's setting up for a wonderful fall foliage season, so... Should be. 
John and Lisa own Safford Mills Inn and Cafe in Bennington, Vermont. And as I said earlier in the podcast, Bennington's a wonderful place to come in the fall. So much to see and do. So I'm going to turn it over to John and Lisa and let them tell us about their wonderful inn and cafe, which is a little bit different take on a typical bed and breakfast. So why don't you start, John and Lisa, by telling us a little bit about yourselves and how long you've had the inn and what's unique about it. Okay, well, thank you so much for having us on. Um, My family's been in this business uh, since the mid-1980s. They moved us up here from the city, uh, just north of Boston, and opened uh, more of a classical-style bed and breakfast back in that time, and uh, did that for a long, long time, kind of grew up in it. And then uh, uh, years went by, and my wife and I had had some experience in other businesses, including uh, a bar business, and uh, we decided we wanted to redo the bed and breakfast, but wanted to put a little twist on it. Instead of doing breakfast, we wanted to offer craft cocktails and um, some unique appetizers and do that instead of breakfast in the morning. So we put that all together, and uh, we've been doing that for just about four years now. Oh, that's great. Yeah, I see the photos of all the wonderful drinks on Instagram. It looks incredible. (laughs) Looks like a great way to wind down a day. So who comes up with all the who comes up with all the drinks and, and food and all the goodies? Well, we work on the food together, my wife and I, but uh, Lisa takes care of all the drinks. She's done a lot of research and, and uh, has worked hard on that. And I'll let her talk a little bit about that briefly, about what she's done and uh, you know, how she comes up with some of her ideas. So I'll turn that over to her. Okay, great. Um, just some different things we like to try to keep things very fresh, um, try to keep different flavors, um, trying to be just very unique and um just wanting to make sure that uh, we keep things, you know, fresh and unique here at the end. So that was just, that's just some of the ways that um, we're trying to approach our craft cocktails. Right. And it sounds like it's, it's very successful so far. Yes, people have really enjoyed it. And, um, you know, not to say that, that uh, there aren't many lovely bed and breakfasts in the area, uh, you know, which there are, but we just wanted to offer something a little different and unique for folks that are kind of like ourselves uh, who are not really morning people, especially when we're on vacation. <laughs> right, and, uh, kind exactly. of enjoy, Yeah, and kind of enjoy a nice uh, crafted cocktail or some appetizers in the evening and just kind of like to sleep in. So uh, we have kind of a laid-back uh, attitude here, especially when it comes to the morning, uh, which is different from bed and breakfast, you know, where there's lots of activity uh, here. It's very quiet, and uh, people enjoy that, and they can – sit in our common areas and, and uh, just enjoy the morning or sleep in, whatever they'd like to do. Yeah, the house is wonderful, too. Tell us a, a little bit about the house. It's got quite a history there in Bennington. Uh, well, it was built uh, by Colonel Samuel Stafford, who was uh, a colonel in the Revolutionary War, and uh, they built this house in 1774. And they built it here because there was a pond right across the street, and they were commissioned uh, by the town to build a sawmill and grist mill here in town, which they did, and uh, they called it Stafford Mill, which is why we call the Inn Stafford Mill. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was in their family uh, for many, many generations uh, until the 1940s um, when uh, the house was finally sold, and then it was everything from a personal home to a boarding house to a restaurant 
to a dormitory. So it's it's, <laughs> it's had many different lives and uh, a lot of uh, a lot of experiences uh, through the years here. Oh, definitely. Yeah, it's it's, a, it's just a really lovely place sitting back there from the road a tiny bit. I understand you also um, purchased the old Pepper Mills building, which is nearby. We did. That is, uh, it's actually right next door. The only thing separating us is the Walloonsack River. Um, and uh, it was a longtime restaurant for many, many years, going back into the 1950s. Um, so we purchased that building with the idea of moving our craft cocktail uh, lounge and uh, the cafe over to that new building, um, just so that we can accommodate more people as our business has been growing. And yeah. then the uh, the original old house here will be just for overnight guests and for uh, personal parties and uh, private events and things like that. Oh, that sounds great. That's exciting. Um, so when do you think that'll be up and running? I know it's probably going to take some work a little bit. Uh... Yeah, well, we've been working on it through the winter, and uh, we're hopeful sometime this fall. Oh, exciting. So anyone heading that way for fall foliage may be able to... Fit, you know, fit in and enjoy some of the great cocktails and drinks and everything like that. That's right. Yeah. So you currently just have three rooms. Is that correct? Yes, that's right. Okay. And if people want to book those rooms, um, best way is to go to the website or give you guys a phone call or. Yeah. I mean, they can always give us a call, but the best way to get any information about our place is to go right to our website, which is SaffordMills.com, and, uh, you know, our phone number is there. You can email us, uh, you know, whatever people are comfortable doing, and then you can book the room right there on the website as well. Um, but uh, we're more than happy to answer questions and, um, you know, make special accommodations for people as well. Oh, wonderful. And do you have any, like, minimums during foliage season? Because I know a lot of inns, it's a very busy time, so... Um, sometimes we do Columbus Day weekend. We usually require a minimum, but we're pretty booked up already, uh, with that weekend. Uh, the other parts of October and September are a little bit more wide open. And, uh, we try not to put, uh, minimums on most of those, uh, just because we realize people sometimes only have one day to get away. Right. So, uh, we don't like to require them to come for two days. Yeah, that's nice. That's really wonderful. So you've been in the area for a little while. Do you have any favorite places that you like to, when you're not working and <laughs> running the cafe in the inn, do you have any suggestions of places you like to go or things you like to see nearby? Yeah, well, there's many things that uh, we always like to uh, tell our visitors about. And that, you know, Bennington, of course, is a very historical town. Um, we have a very tall monument here. The only one taller on the East Coast is the Washington Monument. So. Uh, we're very proud of that, and, um, you know, there's an elevator that goes to the top, and you can see for miles. Um, there's also the Bennington Museum, uh, which has lots of art and uh, historical uh, um, pieces there as well. And then there's always the covered bridges and uh, to take a look at, as well as um, there's many, many hiking trails and always um, some sort of outdoor event going on, especially in the summer, but even in the winter. Oh, yeah. uh, along with, of course, the skiing and uh, all of that as well. So there's always something going on and uh, usually a little something for everybody, as well as, of course, you know, Vermont is very popular now for uh, craft breweries and microbrews. So we have lots and lots of microbreweries 
uh, not just in the Bennington area, but all over Vermont and southern Vermont and uh, even just over the border into New York and Massachusetts, which we're right close to as well. Right. Yeah, it's a wonderful area. Well, thank you so much, John and Lisa, for your time today. And again, that website was Safford Mills. Is it just SaffordMills.com? That's right. SaffordMills.com. Perfect. And the phone number, if you're interested in booking or have questions that aren't answerable on the website, the phone number is 802-681-7646. And remember, don't call too early. This is a great relaxing place. So I think That's it right. has, I, I would love to visit. I like that. I think it's nice not to have all that activity in the morning. Just, you know, take it easy. You are on vacation. So thank you so much, John and Lisa, and good luck with your ventures. And I'll continue to send some people to Bennington. It's a beautiful area. Well, thank you so very much. And uh, hopefully we'll see you sometime as well. Yes. All right. Thank you. Continuing our episode on Bennington, Vermont, as a great place to visit in the fall. There's many wonderful things to see, do, and photograph, as I was mentioning. So today I've invited Christopher from the Park McCullough House, which I was on the internet. I'm always looking for new places to photograph, new historic homes to visit, to include in the photographs, or just, you know, to add to my whole interest of traveling through this area in the fall in particular. And when I went to the Park McCullough website, the thing that most attracted me was the beautiful fall picture and the home itself is stunning. So Christopher, welcome to Eyes for the Road. And if you'd like to introduce yourself and tell us a bit about the house, maybe how you got involved with the historic home, and then move on and tell us about the wonderful grounds. And I understand um, there's a caring for canopy ground that you just won as well. Yeah, so um, my name is Christopher Maxey, and I'm the treasurer for the Park McCullough House. Um, you know, I got involved with the house um, when I was uh, uh, just recently. But when I was a uh, kid, I used to uh, go to uh, the graded school, which was right uh, next door. Oh, wow. And so as a child, I always remembered going, walking through the house and playing soccer on the ground and things like that. And so, um, you know, uh, the Park McCullough House has always been something been kind of special to me. That's wonderful. So it's just kind of been down the street from where you grew up. That's fabulous. So how large are the grounds, would you say? So the grounds have changed quite a bit over, over time. Um, so the property was originally uh, Highland Hall, Hall's uh, uh, property, um, the uh, father of uh, Turner Park. And um, when they originally purchased the, ground, uh, the property, um, it was made up of maybe 100 or so acres. Uh, but over the course of time that it was owned by the family, uh, it eventually expanded to about 600 acres. Um, and then oh, after that peak in uh, size, uh, it uh, eventually shrank back down to about five acres. Um, oh, wow. But the surrounding, the surrounding area is actually still, uh, uh, is now... Um, uh, is preserved uh, by the Fund for Bennington and is still open to um, is still open to visitors. Fabulous. So I understand that the home itself is open for tours. 
and those it looks like run through about October 9th. The grounds open on uh, Memorial Day and they usually end sometime in October depending on how the weather is. So the home itself, um, you know, have you do you have favorite rooms in the house or are there, you know, things about the house that are really interesting or well, the thing that I find most interesting about the Parkland Hall House is that uh, you typically, when you go around and you see historic homes in the area, um, the life of the house isn't isn't exactly straight. Uh, you know, maybe the family uh, lost the house or, yeah. um, you know, went into a state of disrepair or something like that, and all of the items of the house are lost and things along those lines. The thing that makes the Park House different is that the family, once they decided that um, they could no longer afford to uh, maintain the property, simply handed it over to the community. And so with everything that was uh, everything that was in the house as well. So there's no replicas in the house. It's all of the family's heirlooms, uh, all of their property, all of their diaries, all of their letters, you know, all of the information about the house was still in it uh, the day that the keys were turned over. Oh, my goodness. Um, yeah, it's it's really, uh, once you put it into that context, it's kind of mind-blowing to see a house that is so old that it contains all of the, all of the furniture and property that was original to it. Right. So the grounds look like they're beautiful with really a lot of old growth trees. So um, tell us about the Caring for Canopy grant and what that hopes to do as far as maintaining the trees and the, and the landscaping and that, that type of thing. So the Caring for Can Can uh, Canopy grant is a program that is put on, uh, is a grant that's put on by uh, UVM and uh, the state of Vermont. Uh, that is designed to um, help parks in Vermont and make sure that uh, these parks can be enjoyed for generations to come. So they put a lot of em emphasis on caring for uh, existing trees and trying to extend the lives of trees. Mm -hmm. There used to be a tree guide, a uh, self-guided tour that you could take on the property that was in the 70s and 80s. Oh, wow. And... Yeah, and it, it fell away for a little while, uh, but we recently came across the legend as well as the guide for it. And so we're hoping to put that back into place so that even if the house isn't open, uh, you can still have access to this tree, to this tree guide and still kind of take yourself through a guided tour of the grounds. Um, and look at the different uh, at the gardens and the different trees that are on the property. Some of which are incredibly old, older than the house itself. Uh, mm -hmm. Particularly the one giant sugar maple behind the house. Oh, beautiful! Yeah, I think that's the one I saw in the photograph. <laughs> so that's wonderful. People can visit the grounds. It looks like it was um, dawn to dusk and photograph and just enjoy the beauty of that. That's wonderful. Right. So people will visit usually physical grounds uh, throughout the year. Um, there's a mile around that is behind the house that people are, free, are walking on almost constantly. It's one of the most popular attractions in North Pennington. You can walk around the house from uh, dawn till dusk, but the house is only open on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. You mentioned a lot of photographs as well in, that the family um, must have donated along with the home. So are those rotated? Are those put out for display periodically? Um, I'm sure you have, have to kind of pick and choose sometimes which goes out where just to allow, you know, 
room for people to traffic through the house, so to speak? So we have a lot of, uh, there's a lot of paintings that are displayed uh, that are in, in rotation and on display um, most of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, the photos, we are actually just in the beginning phases of actually um, digitizing uh, our archives so that uh, you can, that you would be able to view them online oh, okay. um, because the photo archives are just so, it's like insanely vast. <laughs> I mean, thousands of pictures. I mean, you could never go through, oh you would never goodness. be, if you rotated them all through once, it would take you a, probably a century to do it. <laughs> wow. I can imagine that's a lot of work for someone too, to just get them all digitized as well. Yeah, it's going to, it'll, it'll take a while, but we're, we're working on doing that. And, uh, people have a lot of interest in those old photos. I was going to say, I, I, for one, I'm, I love old photographs. So it's like, if I was in the area, I can see that'd be like something just to, you know, just to, vol- you know, be a, become a volunteer. So maybe you could enjoy some of the, you know, access to some of the things that, you know, always the public gets to see. Absolutely. We have a couple of volunteers that have just started just because of that, the photo archives, so that they can uh, dig through them and digitize them and kind of uh, be able to get their, uh, get their hands on some content <laughs> that a lot of people haven't seen. Right. So for um, our visitors to the area, if you'd like to visit the home, uh, the website is Park McCullough, and that's P-A-R-K-M-C-C-U-L-L-O-U-G-H dot org. And it does list the hours of the, you know, that the home is open. If you have um, an interest in volunteering, is that information on the website as well? Or Yep, it's at uh, parkmccullough.org slash volunteer. Okay. And then um, if you have questions, um, the home is generally open, I believe you said on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday up until early October. Check that out at parkmccullough.org. And um, wow, it it looks like a fabulous place to visit. So I, I look forward to coming back to Bennington and seeing the home and walking the grounds this fall. So We look forward to having you. And we're continuing our exploration of Bennington, Vermont. Today, we'll be talking to Jamie Franklin from the Bennington Museum, which is a really interesting place. So I'm going to get just jump right in so we have plenty of time to talk to Jamie about the museum and highlight some of the treasures there, including a couple current photography exhibits. So, Jamie, go ahead and introduce yourself um, and a little bit about the museum, and then let's get into the photography and the Grandma Moses exhibit, of course. Absolutely. So, Jamie Franklin, I'm the curator here at the museum, Um, and the Bennington Museum is a a regional um, art and history museum, so um, we kind of um, um, survey um, the the history and, and culture that has happened in and around Bennington and the larger region, um, Vermont as a whole, um, but because we're right here in the, the corner of the state, um, a lot of our, our collections and exhibitions also um, um, look at things that happened in and around um, um, Bennington, so upstate New York, western Massachusetts as well. We've been around since, um, as a museum, since the early 20th century. Um, open to the public in 1928, so we can trace our roots back to the mid-19th century. So really started as a historical institution, but um, 
um, both myself and our director, Robert Wolterstorff, are both trained as art historians. So um, um, art plays a pretty prominent role in what we do around here these days. So how long have you been um, at the museum? Um, I've been here since 2005, so we're going on um, about 12 years now. Um, I, I came here straight out of graduate school. I got my, my master's degree in art history from Williams College, which is just down the road. Um, and um, I've, I haven't left since. <laughs> That's great. So currently, there's an exhibit by Clemens, and I'll let you pronounce his last name because I'm not... Kalischer. <laughs> Kalischer, yeah. thank you. Yeah. So tell us about that and about bringing the exhibit and... Clemens has a fascinating history when I started digging into it as well. Yeah, yeah, no, Clemens Kalischer um, is really a, a, a world-renowned photojournalist. Um, he um, um, was born and grew up in Germany, um, 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 actually um, had served in some um, labor camps in France during the war um, when it was occupied by Germany, um, came over to the States in the early 50s, um, um, lived and worked in New York City for a while. One of his photographs was included um, in the famous exhibition organized by Edward Steichen at the Museum of Modern Art, Family of Man. Um, and he went on to a really um, successful career as a photojournalist, um, publishing photo essays for the like of Times, Life Magazines, um, New York Times, um, and um, Related to what we're doing um, with his work at the ex at the museum is um, he also did a lot of work here in Vermont, um, um, starting with um, some photo essays for Vermont Life. Um, but he ended up um, moving to the um, Southern Berkshires, which is just about an hour south of us here in Southern Vermont, um, in the later 50s, and has made a really um, active part of his career has been coming and visiting um, Vermont, and he spent a lot of time. Um, I'm working here as a photographer, and so that's what our exhibition draws on is kind of a, a brief survey of a very active um, um, career, both working as a photojournalist and independently um, kind of documenting the, the, the social and cultural landscape of Vermont. Right, and I believe the exhibit's on display until September 4th. Correct? Yeah, it's actually probably going to be um, extended a little bit. Oh, so, um, yeah, we um, we had a little bit of juggling to do with our, our um, exhibition schedule, and it turns out we're going to have another fantastic photography exhibit opening up after um, Kalischer comes down. But Kalischer is probably going to run till the very end of September. Um, and then um, on Columbus Day weekend, we're going to be opening another photography exhibition. Um, um, we're um, working with um, Jonathan Klein, who's a photography professor at Bennington College, mm -hmm. um, and and Jonathan does a lot of work with historic um, photographic techniques, and so um, he often teaches on these things. And he had a class um, last semester, spring semester, um, when he looked at the work of Anna Gilpin, um, who was an early 20th century photographer, did a lot of work out west, but he ended up have, getting access to um, um, some of her archives that are still on her family. Um, and so we're going to have an exhibition showing Gilpin's work and, and some of her circle, um, oh, including wow. Clarence, Clarence H. White, um, Gertrude Kazebeer, and Clara Ciprell. Oh, that's wonderful. And about the Clemens, going back a minute to the Clemens exhibit, what things did you find most interesting in, in the current exhibit or... I mean, it's fabulous, too, that um, he's actually still alive, and you had him at the gallery, I believe, in June. 
Yeah, yeah. So he was at his at the opening. He he's going on ninety six, <laughs> um, and um, he yeah his his career is is pretty amazing. The exhibition, as I mentioned earlier, kind of surveys what he's doing. He's been coming up to Vermont since nineteen fifty six when he was first commissioned to do a photo essay on Marlboro Music Festival, which is really an internationally renowned um, music festival. One of the photographs in the exhibition, um, I think, is kind of amazing um, of these. Two, look like two ordinary young boys playing the piano, but they happen to be um, um, Van Clyburn and um, uh, uh, Serkin. Um, oh so, so they're like two of the most famous figures in the history of, of 20th century piano, pia, piano and music, and they just happen to have been sitting at the <laughs> piano as young boys, probably 13, 14 years old. Um, it's just this wonderful photograph. Wow. And it kind of and I think one of the things about um, Kalischer's work in Vermont is it documents kind of um, a really interesting aspect of Vermont's culture and, 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 and history is that there's always this kind of rubbing up of uh, together of kind of um, uh, kind of traditional working class, um, you know, agricultural farm values with people associate with Vermont with a kind of um, incredible um, level of cultural sophistication. I mean, there are a lot of really prominent um, um, cultural institutions here in Vermont, from the Marlboro Music Festival to the Bread and Puppet Theater, which is also represented here at, um, in the exhibition, and a lot of art, other artists, visual artists. Um, um, the Flaherty Film Festival is represented by a couple of photographs. So it's this interesting documentation of both. And then, you know, he also did photo uh, a photo essay of, of Peachum in the late 50s, oh, which is a rural okay. town up in, in um, kind of... Um, central Vermont, um, documenting kind of um, very classic, traditional small town life in Vermont in the 1950s. So it kind of, you know, spans the tradition and the, the title of the exhibition, Between Past and the Future. It's this idea of his work really captures the kind of transition of Vermont in the 20th mm -hmm. century and how it was going from a very traditional agricultural, rural um, Kind of traditions um, and and colliding with kind of the the modernity of the of the mid twentieth century and, and he really captured that kind of um, 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 kind of the way in which Vermont kind of um, teeters on the edge between those two and still does to this day in many ways. Right. Yeah. I also think it was interesting. I did a little bit more reading about Clemens. Um, he actually actually worked with uh, Norman Rockwell a bit as well. Another. Yeah. yeah, so he he lived down in 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 Southern Berkshire, as I mentioned, in Stockbridge, and actually, um, Rockwell lived and worked right here in Bennington County for about thirteen years, from nineteen thirty nine to nineteen fifty three. But in nineteen fifty three, he moved down to Stockbridge, um, Massachusetts, um, and that's where Clemens knew him because they were essentially neighbors right there in Stockbridge, um, and he was very close to um, Norman and his family. In fact, Jarvis um, Norman's son was here at the opening along with his daughter Daisy. Daisy lives here in. North North Bennington and Jarvis lives right down the road in North Adams. So, um, yeah, he, he was very close with, with Rockwell and the rest of the family. Um, and that connection is, is still alive today. And then you also have the Buy Local exhibition right now, too. Yeah, that's another photography exhibition drawn from our permanent collection. So um, we have a really amazing historic photography collection, particularly glass plate negatives um, for, for lots of um, interesting and, and complex reasons. We've ended up um, accumulating a collection of, I think, well over twelve thousand um, glass plate negatives, oh my largely. Goodness. 
Wow. Largely <laughs> by professional and amateur photographers here in, in the Bennington area. Uh-huh. Um, and just two years ago, we acquired a group of about 2,000 glass plate negatives um, from the um, Weikert Isselhart collection. So, um, Robert Weikert was a photographer himself and a collector, and Tortoise Isselhart ended up helping him near the end of his life and um, inherited this collection of glass plate negatives that were taken um, in the late 19th and early 20th century. And by local is just a selection of um, the tip of the iceberg, but one of the strengths of the collection were these great images of local businesses um, from Bennington and Cambridge, New York, oh, which is just over in Grandma Moses' country, just across the state line. And so it's these wonderful images of, of local businesses from the late 19th and early 20th century um, kind of it's interesting to kind of think back we're, we're in the middle of this kind of buy local movement where people right. are interested in kind of supporting local commerce and looking back a hundred plus years when, when buy local was really your only option. Right, um, exactly. Um, and knowing um, so, who you bought from and having exactly. that connection. Yeah, yeah, and a lot of these photographs, um, we don't know exactly if there was a single project that they were created for, but it's clear that he was going around, and a lot of the images show the presumably the business owners uh-huh. and workers either posed out front of the shop. Some of them even show them working inside the interiors. So it's a, it's a really um, fascinating look into local um, um, businesses and kind of um, the way in which people did business um, a little over 100 years ago here in Bennington. Oh, that's fabulous. Very interesting. Wow. So Bennington Museum, again, is open. You're open seven days a week from 10 yep. to 5. And that's, yeah, so, go ahead. Yeah, it's, it's seven days a week from to five. I think um, after Labor Day weekend or after October, um, we end up we we're closed on um, Wednesdays. But okay. um, through through October, we are open seven days a week. Right. What a wonderful opportunity. So for anyone traveling in the fall um, or late September, definitely add Bennington Museum and to your list of travels. And thank you again so much, Jamie, for your time today. Thanks, April. It was a pleasure. All right. So hopefully I've given you some great information on visiting Bennington, Vermont, some wonderful places to visit besides being outside photographing fall trees and fall vistas. If you have questions regarding your itinerary, lodgings, or anything else fall-related, now's the time to get those over to me at april at aprilart.com. Drop a comment on the bottom of the comment section for the podcast at eyesfortheroad.com. And I look forward to you joining me on my next adventure and photography trip. Thank you so much. This is April with Eyes for the Road.